Hey, in exactly one month, I'll be speaking at JPoint conference in Moscow, which is a great conference, great event for Java programmers. But my talk will not be about Java programming, but about software testing in general. I will try to convince the audience there that they misunderstand the philosophy of testing. And I know that many programmers and testers have a very wrong understanding of what testing is. So I decided to rehearse this presentation for you, show some of the slides which I prepared for them, and I will try to do it in just less than 10 minutes. And then I expect you to criticize my presentation in the comments and I can improve it, make it better, and then JPoint audience will get the best presentation they can ever get. So let's start. This is a very common misconception software developers and testers have about testing. They think that uh, software testing is the process of executing a software system to determine whether it matches the specification, whether it works as expected is an inside its intended environment. I think it's a completely wrong idea. And not just me thinking that. There are many books and authors who emphasize that this way of thinking actually is the cause of troubles in software testing. Here's a better quote. If you need to demonstrate that the software works, then you better not test it at all. That's the easiest way. You just don't test it and the software works. So the very thinking of software testing as the process of confirming that software works is a wrong idea. And because of that wrong idea, we have a number of problems later in testing. This is how it should be done instead. Testing is the process of executing the program with an intent of finding errors. The goal of testers, the main objective of testers and the testing team is to demonstrate that the code doesn't work, that the product doesn't work as intended. That's what testers have to be motivated to do. And there are a few books, which I definitely recommend reading, that start their stories about software testing with emphasizing the fact that the majority of testers do not understand the philosophy of testing. They think that they need to confirm the product works while they have to confirm that the product is broken. And uh, my book also dedicates an entire section for that particular problem about testing. And if we change our mindset and start understanding that programmers are good guys and testers are bad guys, programmers are constructors and testers are deconstructors, then four things will change in our life. First, we will start thinking about testers as first-class citizens. Right now, as many authors confirm, testers struggle for recognition in their companies and their software teams. They need to prove that they are valuable resource for a software development process. Most of us think that testers are something secondary to the software development, that programmers are the first class citizens, testers are something else. This is wrong. And just like John McGregor, I believe that the being a good tester is a way harder and way more difficult job than being a good programmer. To write something, to create something which may work or may not work and push it to production is part of the job. A larger part of the job is to prove that what you just put to production or what you put to staging doesn't work as intended. That's what testers are supposed to do. And that takes more skills and more experience and more qualification than writing code. And if we understand that, first of all, we're going to pay more money to testers. We're going to put more senior guys to that positions of testers and we're gonna have more testers. Most probably you can confirm that now software teams include programmers and just 20 or 30 or 10% of testers. I believe it should be the other way around. We need more testers. And also I think that the career of a good programmer should look like this. First of all, it's a junior developer, then it's a middle level developer, then it's a senior developer, and then it's a tester. 
Now it starts the other way around. Now you start with the tester and then you get to programmer and then you get to the senior programmer. The more senior our testers are, the higher the quality of the software. And to be a good tester, it takes skills and it takes a lot of experience because you need to know how to use the right tools. You need to know how to automate your tests. You need to know how to do performance testing and many other things which only a senior developer knows how to do. The second change which will happen if we understand that testers are supposed to prove that the code doesn't work is that we stop asking testers to confirm that it's good time to release the software. This is what's happening now. We have developers, developers commit to repository, then from repository the code goes to production through the staging step. That's called the delivery pipeline. And testers in most cases stay in front of the production and they confirm that what was created is good to go. And everybody is looking at them and asking, are we ready to put the code to production? And the tester has to confirm. That's a very wrong approach because if the tester is supposed to break the stuff and confirm that the stuff doesn't work, then how can we ask a tester whether it's a good time to release? It is an obvious conflict of interests. We ask a tester to break it and we motivate to break and then we ask the tester, please confirm that it's good. Instead, testers should stay aside from delivery pipeline. They should look at the code, they should break the code, but they should never confirm that the code is good to go. So how do we know when is the right time to release? David West, one of my favorite authors, suggests that we need to look at the rate of discovering errors. And when the rate goes down, that's the right moment to release. Developers write the code and contribute with the changes to the repository. Testers try to break the code and report bugs to the bug tracking system. The management stays on top of them and look at the rate, the intensity of defects found by the testers. And when it's obvious that the complexity of finding the next bug is so high and testers cannot find as many of them as they were able to find before, and that's the right moment when the PM hits the button and the product goes to production. There will be a conflict between developers and testers. Developers want to uh, contribute more, developers want to see more code in the production, while testers want to confirm and prove that the code just created by programmers is not good enough for delivery. At the moment of time when those uh, two forces, which are in conflict, get some balance, that's the right moment for the project manager to release the product to production. And I would recommend you to look at the Git flow uh, formula of how you can organize your work on top of Git repository. I tried a number of approaches in different projects and this is what I would recommend to use. At the bottom you see the master branch, Git master branch. And all the developers commit there with their changes provided they pass the merge pipeline. So they, of course, have to pass all the quality checks and then their code gets there. But still, we cannot be sure that the code in master branch is good for end users. We need some manual testing on top of that. We need testers. So we branch it out. We create a branch which is an orange color there and that branch we call candidate branch. So it is a candidate for release. And then we ask testers to find as many bugs as they can in the candidate to break the candidate branch. And testers start doing that. They run their tests, they're trying to break it as much as they can, they run performance tests and stress tests and functionality tests, all kinds of tests. And they report bugs. And programmers are trying to stabilize the candidate branch. So they're fixing those bugs and looking at the intensity of new bugs coming from testers. Not only programmers, but the management. The management looks at the intensity of bugs coming from the candidate branch. 
and it will be initially a lot of bugs, of course, because the candidate is not stable when we create it. And then this, the intensity of bugs will go down. The candidate will become more stable. It will be stabilized by programmers as a response to the bugs provided by testers. And then at some point of time, the management will see that testers are having a hard time to find uh, as many bugs as they were finding before. And the candidate looks stable enough to get to production. And then it goes to production and you see the green dot over there. That's the uh, release tag, which goes to, to end users. Or maybe at some point of time, we realize that it's not possible to stabilize the candidate. It happens sometimes when we see that testers keep finding many bugs and programmers keep fixing them, but still the intensity of bug flow is the same as it was before, or maybe sometimes even higher. At that point of time, we just say, okay, we drop the candidate and we merge it back to the master branch, or we can even abandon it and say that everything which was in candidate uh, worth nothing and we better start a new one, start a new candidate. In my experience, that's an easy approach and it works quite well, you should try it too. The next thing which will happen if we understand that testers are supposed to break what programmers are creating is that we will be able to find an answer to a very common question of the test exit criteria. So how do we know when to stop testing? So at some point of time, we need to transfer the testing team to another release candidate, for example. The question is, how do we know when to do that? When is the right time to say it's done, it's over? And we know that any software has an unlimited amount of bugs. So it's not possible to say that testing is done because the quality is 100%. There's always something else to test. There's always some other opportunities to find new bugs, but our resources are limited. Our time is limited. So at some point of time, we need to decide where is the right moment. And there are a number of techniques, a number of approaches. The first one is by the time. The time is over, it's the end of the day, it's a lunch time, we just stop testing because of that. In my opinion, not only in my opinion, it's the worst approach because testers will be just uh, trying to spend time and sit in front of computers, not doing anything. By the end of the day, we're done testing. This is not really motivating uh, approach. The second one is by scripts. We have a hundred of scripts. We just go through all of them. We just run a hundred operations, routine operations, or run some amount of tests. And when it's done, we're done testing. Again, not a great approach because in that case, we're going to miss stuff which stay aside from those scripts. And we will turn ourselves into regression testers who are not interested in finding new opportunities for new bugs. I would suggest to go for bugs counting. We just calculate the amount of bugs we find and then we stop testing when we find enough of them. Enough according to the prediction we made at the beginning of the project. We wanted to find 100, we find 100, we stop testing. Of course, it's not going to be easy to find the right number in the beginning. So how do we know what's the right amount to find? The first option is just to guess. Just say, let's find 100 and start working and see how it goes. For a young software team who didn't do anything before, that's not a bad approach. At the end of the project, you can compare your results with your prediction and learn some lessons for future projects. Also, you can look at your budget. You can say approximately we spend uh, that amount of money or that amount of working time to find that amount of bugs. And our budget is this. So we can calculate how many bugs we can afford to find. And again, by the end of the project, you look at the results, you recalibrate your system, you learn your lessons, and then you apply new numbers to the next project. You can find your own techniques, your own formula, your own algorithms to predict the number of bugs you can find. But the bottom line is that the best test exit criteria is by the number of bugs we find. And the change number four, which will happen if we start understanding that testers 
are supposed to break the code and confirm that the code doesn't work is that we start rewarding our testers by the bugs they find. And that's the approach I use in my software teams when I work with testers and I explain the idea in the book which I published last summer. The idea is simple. If you want your testers to break the code, if you want your testers to confirm that the code is broken, you want them to be motivated to do that, then pay them for each mistake they find in the product. The more mistakes they find, the more money they get. Money, points, depends on your motivational system. In our case, in Xerocracy, we give them money. You can give them some points, depends on how it works in your team. But it's important to motivate testers to deliver the results. And results of testers are bug reports. Of course, there will be questions about how you motivate them, what's the right formula. There will be a question about the price, how much you pay for those bugs. There's going to be the quality of bugs because, of course, different bugs are of different quality. Some of them are uh, high priority bugs. Some of them are cosmetic bugs. Some of them just duplicates, which you're not supposed to pay for at all. And, of course, it's going to be the question of how much time it takes for an average tester to find an average bug and how much it takes for a professional tester to find a very complicated bug. There could be different formulas, different approaches. I understand it's not so easy, but try to find the right formula for yourself. In our team, we just pay them a flat fee, all the testers, for each bug they find, and that's how we motivate them to find smaller bugs and a larger amount of them. And of course, a great summary from, again, a great author about software testing. Mr. Kenner says that uh, the best tester is not the one who finds the most bugs, not the largest amount of them just to embarrass programmers but the best tester is the one who can find bugs who can be fixed later so the best tester finds the bug and makes sure that the bug is properly documented properly explainable suggests the right solution and properly delivered to the development team so it's not only about finding defects and breaking the code but also making sure that what you found actually is understood by software developers that's what I'm going to say in JPoint. So, of course, it's going to be a longer talk for 45 minutes or so, but that's the gist of it. Now, I want you to criticize me and tell me what was wrong and maybe I made some mistakes and maybe I missed something. So, please comment in the comment section below. And thanks for watching. Stay tuned. Don't forget to subscribe. See you later.